You're listening to The Life of Try. It's triathlon for your ears. The big red light's on, which means we are, do you know, 30, 35, episode 35 this is, ticking along on the life of Tri. Phil Rockner in the chair alongside me in this sinking canoe is the man who bounces back and forth like a jet-setting superstar, Kevin McKinnon. Kevin, uh, how are you, my friend? I am tired, but otherwise good. You've got and, the scratchy uh, yeah, voice, mate. Scratchy voice. Oh. I was the only announcer this weekend at Clash Daytona, and um, so yeah, they uh, they got their money's worth out of me. So <laughs> it was uh, yes, I was I was hanging on for dear life by the end, but um, had a great weekend. So. Nice. Well, we'll get to that. We'll talk a little bit about Clash. We'll talk about Indian Wells. We'll talk about cars and pro athletes. Um, it, it, how? Let's let's you let's just talk. Oh, this is off coming off the cuff here, as you can tell by my. Uh, I didn't really plan to talk about this, but I don't really plan too hard to be honest with this show. Um, it is literally I've written f- probably about seven eight words as a run sheet for tonight, so that that'll give you the level of detail that we get to. Um, oh my goodness! And all I'm thinking is, wow, he actually wrote something <laughs> down this week. <laughs> exactly. You're like, damn, the guy's actually lifting. Um, Hey, how hard is it? Now you've I've done I reckon I've done ten or eleven. How, and I don't know how many you've commentated. How hard is it to commentate an Ironman? How incredibly difficult is it for those who've never done it? And I don't think there's too many of us around the world. I mean, there's Paul Kay, who's the man about town for Ironman. Obviously, the voice we know, Big Mike, uh, yourself, um, and then there'd be a European contingent of which I'm not 100% sure who's where. Pete Murray here in Australia has done about, I reckon he'd be close to 100. Um, tell me, how tough is it? Um, oh, it's it's a long day. I always joke it. I don't know if I'm joking. Uh, I'd, it'd be much easier to actually do the race than to announce the race. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a tough go. But I think if you are in there thinking at all that it's a tough go, then it's over, right? Like the, the second you're not having fun, the people around there are not having fun either. And um, so, you know, it's just really critical. You just got to be up. And for me, the, for me, it's the two days afterwards um, <laughs> that really hits. Um, like, you know, I, I just, I, and every time I keep telling myself, just plan a day off, just plan on not getting anything done. And I never do. And then I'm, you know, I'm just dragging the whole day and, and trying to get stuff through. Um, but yeah, you know, my, my hack, well, Mike Riley, I think he just recent Cozumel, Cozumel or Arizona, mm. Arizona, I think was his 200. Yeah. Um, which is, which is awesome. I, I remember when he did his hundredth and I'm, I'm, this is how much of an asshole I am. I wrote a story that I was just covering my, covering my 289th Ironman or something. <laughs> just to rub it in. Um, You know, there's just no comparison between covering uh, the event um, and typing all day and just having to be up and out in front of the crowd and talking. Yeah. Uh, And it's different energy, isn't it? So I've done I Man Live as that's, I think we first sort of crossed paths back in Taupo would have been um, 
Remember how cold yeah, it was? Yeah, we, uh, I still remember sort of me, me sitting down and saying, okay, this is how it's going to work. I'm going to host and you're going to be the color commentator. Yeah. Come commentator. And if you don't like it, there's the door. Yeah. <laughs> and you were like, okay, yeah. this guy's a jerk and I'm going to have to work with him. <laughs> uh, and we... Uh, but that was, you know, Peter Henning had given me my uh, marching orders yep. as to how he wanted it to go. And I was not, you know, <laughs> playing around. And I that still, to this day, I feel like that was one of the best coverages I was ever involved with and um, had, you know, had so much fun. Yeah. So. And super cold. Remember they put, um, they had ice, ice, they had um, hot water bottles and blankets on yes. our knees. It was that freaking cold. Yeah. Um, oh my goodness! You're going to complain about cold to a Canadian? No, not at all. Do you remember I announced at a race where it never got above, I think minus two, two weeks or a week and a half ago. So. Yeah, and you were walking around bare chested. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's hard though. I, it? Actually, just just on that note, if I yeah. may, I just I want to get this in before I forget. So you know, we always post the stuff in uh, on Facebook, um, and for last week's. Uh, um, uh, episode, uh, which you got to me in record time on Thursday morning, and I posted on Thursday morning. Um, there was somebody who made a comment, you know, I, like the question was, are there drugs and try? And yep. uh, somebody made a comment, uh, not a podcast listener. What's the short answer to are there PEDs? I'm guessing yes. And then um, Anna Kulina uh, sent, uh, sent the guy back a message saying, listen to it. It's quite entertaining and comical. So <laughs> that's what we do here, right? That's exactly. And I thought that's the Phil and I have been starting that since we uh, did that first little go in, in Taupo yep. in New Zealand. And that was like, eesh, 2003, four uh, or five. Why are you back? And that's look, this pout, if you're not listening to the podcast, this is like if you're exercising or like I listen to an, there's an NFL podcast I listen to, but I've got to really listen to it because they say really complex shit and i can't follow it unless i'm listening to it whereas this is kind of not white noise but it's certainly got that element to it that you can run or you could be you know working out or you know this podcast is never going to get a hundred percent really really serious which is why that you know harking back to harry young when he slapped us in the face with his story that was pretty wild um hey the thing about riley while we were talking about him i just want to say if you've never worked with riley or you don't know what he's about um he is an incredibly um generous guy um, he rings up people to tell them that they are an Iron Man when they missed out or he was, you know, in the John while he was on the tower and things like that and they come through. Um, he's also, as you said, that energy. There's a different energy. So when you do an Iron Man live, it's you're kind of doing your TV stuff where it's all very sort of, I don't know, you're a bit boring to be honest. Um, you get on the podium or you get out to the um, to the tower and do your Ironman venue commentary, which is what you were doing at Daytona this weekend at Clash. You're right. You've got to be up and about and you've got to be you, – you can't give anything less than 100% to the 1,500 athletes who are out there because then you're changing them on their experience. It's not – you know, your, your job is to create the day for them as well. So – you know, in the auditory sense, when they, and I remember my first time, and I did, I, Riley was on the tower and just, you know, I whizzed by and I remember him and Doc Anderson giving me an absolute massive spray in, uh, in Foster. It was awesome. Um, but if you're not up and if you're being a pouty baby about anything or, you know, your oh, life's not going well, 
um, certainly doesn't really translate to what the athlete gets. I can remember at Melbourne, two days before I man Melbourne, I was stomach bug, absolutely sideways that morning, completely ill. Um, and I just started chugging Red Bull and said, this is not my problem for everyone else. It's got to be a good show. And me and Whit Raymond um, went off and did that. Um, but isn't it like that? So, And, and someone like Riley, the only thing I was going to say about Riley is um, he gets off the podium. Um, and Oh, you mean the heads down into the crowd. And yeah, what I love too is he, but and... when the finish line is lit at Kona or at any big Ironman, you will not find Riley there while there's an athlete in the vicinity. And I reckon there's a lesson for anyone who's Ironman commentary, get the fuck off the podium or the finish line when a athlete is coming through. It's not your day. It's not your moment. It's their moment. And they might have spend a lifetime to get there. Um, and I always used to say, you know, let's just, it's just get away. You're the voice, you're not the presence. Um, and I think that's something that he does really well. I've seen him scamper off a finish line so that he doesn't ruin a finish picture. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. Um, so, and actually just, you know, following up with another comment, I sometimes that people had that sometimes we need to give more background for the people who aren't ingrained in the sport quite the same yeah. way we are. We are, of course, talking about Mike Riley. He's known as the voice of Ironman uh, and has announced at, uh, as I was saying, 200 Ironman races. And uh, for uh, here I am. We're plugging uh, Mike's book, um, Mike Riley, Finding My Voice, Tales from Ironman. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I actually need to, you know, full disclosure, I helped with some of the editing of that book that he and... Um, uh, Oh, good grief. Um, Grunfeld and his first name, Lee Grunfeld. There we yep. go. Uh, Lee Grunfeld um, helped write that. And I've I've written or worked with Lee on a few books. And um, yeah, it is awesome. It is a great read. Um, and I strongly suggest it to anyone who's, uh, you don't need to be into the triathlon world. Actually, probably if you're not into the tri world, you might even enjoy that even more and get a little bit more of an understanding of, of the, the craziness behind yeah he's a he's a jet and he's um like i've worked with him around the world as well and he's just yeah he's awesome he's a great bloke so yes the voice of iron man uh he's the phil liggett if you know phil liggett from cycling you'll know mike riley from iron man they are as big as each other in respect for how much they've given to the sport um cracking bloke before we move on to what happened this weekend I, can i stop can we stop with the hyperbole this is give me the shits all week all right Christian Blumenfeld is amazing. I'm not saying he's not, but he's, he hasn't had the best season ever in the in history of triathlon. I'm, I'm sick of reading shit like that. That is all. Oh, he's a goat. He's the, he's not a bloody goat, right? He's not the greatest of all time. He's just not. Now I'm not diminishing anything he's done this year, right? It's been a simply amazing season. But I could find probably two or three seasons at least in the history of this sport to stack up against. It's not the greatest. He's not the greatest. I think Fredino might put his hand up and say, hang on, what about what I've done the last few years? Um, there's a number of, you know, he's not the GOAT. Um, and what got my GOAT was that people were just – people are too quick to drop oh, legendary and, and, and big, big, big tags on athletes who haven't yet got there. Now, Blumenfeld's season, ridiculous. No one is denying that. The gold medal and then to back it up with the um, fast time at Ironman. Notice I didn't say... 721, yeah. You know, and then, yeah. I mean, look at Flora Duffy's year as well, though. I mean, Flora Duffy goes out and wins Xterra last weekend. Well, what the hell was that? Like, she's... 
I mean, I know she's got a history in 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 Xterra, but she, I mean, how much energy has she given to that discipline, mountain biking, um, across the last few last year, in the last few months? You you know as well as I do, Kevin. If you don't tune up on a mountain bike at that elite level, um, you, you kind of get found out. I mean, like her season was phenomenal as well, and she won everything. So, oh, um, hmm. absolutely, um, yeah, one hundred percent for sure, and. Uh, hear you and you know you have to take a little bit of a step back um, how many times you know, do you say that to me it's like once a podcast <laughs> Phil step off loser <laughs> no just take a step back and and I hear you um, 100% um, but you know there's a lot of this like you're just fighting in this industry right now for views and like everything is dependent on on clicks on a website and so um yeah you know it it drives me nuts that we have to we're just spending all of this time looking for headlines and coming up with this stuff to draw people to to stories and you know you you just have no choice unfortunately with your headlines and and all that stuff Mm. so that's how we jump onto these things um so often uh, and sometimes you know the people writing the stuff aren't even writing these headlines um so you know they would they would go, you know for a story that you're all up in arms with they'd be you know the writer might just say yeah i totally agree with you i never wrote that yeah the um, sub-editor's got it so and- yeah and or or you know that social media folks come in and say hey that's not going to work we're not going to get anywhere near the play that we need to. This is how this needs to be titled. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, it uh, drives me to distraction. Well, you know, and, and the classic example. So, um, you know, on Friday night, uh, right. Ratisap um, is an Estonian triathlete and he finished his 60 full distance oh, tries in 60 days, nuts. the guy. And, and so um, now one of the most popular s- series of stories that we did all year was on the iron cowboy, James Lawrence. He's a Canadian. He did 101 full distances in a row. Um, but there's no comparison between what, what uh, he did and this rate Radicep did. Um, but like, Next to no, or not no interest, but didn't get anywhere near the same kind of clout. And the social media guys are on me. Well, you didn't put Iron Man in the title. Um, and there's no iron anything. He's not the iron Estonian. He's not the iron, you know, like the, not like the iron cowboy. Um, and so, you know, it, it's just so frustrating to me that like this guy, he averaged under 11 hours for each one of these things. He was swimming in a 50 meter pool. Uh, in uh, at the Playitas Resort in Fortaventura. Um, he was then doing a bike ride, and I keep getting it wrong. I think it's 18, 1,800 meters of climbing. Yep, 1,800 meters of climbing on the bike and 300 meters of climbing on the run. This, uh, this is the island right next to Lanzarote, so it's windier than stink. He got hit by a car on day 14, had to ride a different bike for, I think it was 8 or 10 days. Um, and still averaged all of this stuff. 10.57.40 was his average finishing time. His average marathon marathon time, 3.14.39. So, like, out of this world. 
but I can't get any interest in the story because I didn't hype it up enough. Well, I mean, he did break 660 hours, so that was good. Um, you know, that's the famed 660 hour mark, which we all try to get under. Um, <laughs> how, like, how the hell? Like, yeah, I mean, was it 220 odd k's of swimming, and then he did like 10,500 k's of biking, and then it was what 2,500 k's of running? I mean, how the hell? does he continue to just roll that out every day? I, I, yeah. Well, this is, he's so like, and, and yeah, absolutely. That you've got to have, you've got to be capable of doing so much faster than that. So all of these things feel easy. Right. Um, so that, you know, that's one thing, but yeah, the guy is just a, an endurance beast. Um, and the other big, you know, the other difference, he was not like uh, the iron cowboy was, um, was getting IVs to help stay hydrated from all these things. He didn't do any of that. He followed total water protocols. Like for him, he was basically going into a race as if somebody would test him every day and, and all that stuff. Like, yeah, uh, unbelievable. But, you know, unless I, and I'm just not high, being hyperbolic enough in my headlines and on my social media stuff to get people to be interested in that story, which is incredible. Yeah, it really is. It's mental how fast he's done every single event and, and what he's been up to. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a hard one. So there you go. There's my take your step back for this episode. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate you. Um, another thing that's really interesting to me too this week was the increase in, um, you know, the, the Zwift and, and but Strava, for example. Apparently, um, it's grown – um, by more than 1.1 billion, that's with B, billion activities were uploaded to Strava in the last 12 months, which... Well, it actually was 1.8 um, this year, up from 1.1 last year. There you go. So, and then, sorry, oh, it's a 1.8. No. And so you've got, they're running at 2.5 million a month or 2 million new athletes a month who hit it. Um Strava's like YouTube for me, unless I see it on Strava, it didn't happen, or I've seen it on YouTube, it doesn't happen. Um, I'm not on it, of course, because that would mean me interacting with other humans, which I do not like. Um, and I'm that terrible. Well, now you're, you've got your graph. Yeah, but I'm going. not. And you've entered a race, I right? Suck so. I, I went out the other day and did, a, I don't know, about two and a half hours and the gra the gravel because like you never know what you're going to hit you know when you hit gravel and sometimes it's really slidey and sloshy and it's almost riding through sand some of the like there's some of the roads or the trails have sort of deteriorated that's a heck of a workout it's hateful um but it just goes to show isn't it like the the pandemic for all the the, the chaos that it caused and you know and the widespread death and 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 that real negative the the positive that you can probably draw from it was that people were able to connect um, and the power of those platforms, you know, now I'm not a fan. This is, I'm not, I'm yet, I'm, like I'm yet to be convinced Swift is anywhere near where I want to be or Strava or anything like that. But um, I can see the real power of the connection that you get when you're, you feel that you're being, you know, watched or, or you feel like you're doing something with other people or, you know, you can build that and you don't have to have been, wearing masks or worrying about social distancing or anything of the new sort of terminology that we're so used to now, but it really speaks, doesn't it about how valuable and it's like social media too. Like social media is like Twitter's the wild west, it's a shit show most days. It's full of 
if I put a photo of my bike up, say I'm like, I, I lean my bike up against a fence post and I, and I take a pretty photo and I go out for a bike ride, hashtag loving life. You know, I do something like that, right? The comments that I'll get underneath, your seat's too high, your seat's crap, you shouldn't be using those pedals, your water bottles don't match your bike, you suck. That's what I'll get. But there's also that connection that you make when you actually find real connections with people and you can have, you know, some really good, honest banter with some people. And, you know, there's still journalists that I used to um, see a lot around the world and, you know, that still hang shit on from a distance and there's, you know, mates on it and stuff like that. So there really is that connection. And so it's interesting, Strava and and, and Zwift are really, I think there's a real positive element to, uh, to what those platforms bring. Yeah, for sure. And the, I, yeah, and I'm with you. I'm not totally on the social media and the, the comments. I just, I keep saying to, um, to Nikita, who does our social media for Triathlon Magazine Canada, I just, I do not understand how she stays sane. She's the, the calmest person <laughs> you'll ever meet from the Netherlands. Um, and I'm sure like just listening to, I don't think she does listen to our podcast. I hope not anyway, for her sake. Um, but um, she, like, she, I'm sure she actually, I know she does. And I'm sure we drive her crazy with the stuff, but um, uh, yeah, just, I don't know how she puts up with the, the comments and everything that she has to deal with, you know, she has to go through this stuff and take down the worst of it and, and all that. It is mind boggling. Yeah. When we, um, I reckon we did four editions of first off the bike. We developed that website four times, I think in my time when we ran it. And I reckon after version two, we still had a, like a, um, it was still pretty loose to put comments on. You didn't have to sign up. You could just put in a, a, you know, a fake name and off you went. Um, shit, the, the crap that used to come on that site, my God, you know, we used to cop it in the neck every minute, you know, and then, athletes would cop it and it was just yeah we end up having to shut it down and do a formal sign up through facebook i think we end up doing so you had to pretty much you know be legit but yeah you're right the commentary around social media can be destructive but let's think positive um and this will be rare well and actually yeah sorry if i if i may too the other thing that you know you're talking about the platforms and getting people together um but the so here's, I, I can't remember if I've talked about this before, but to me, the biggest challenge for the endurance industry through all of the COVID thing, uh, COVID pandemic, I shouldn't just say thing, or the COVID pandemic is going to be, how do we keep these people active yeah. um, once all of this is done? So you've had this huge search. Like I was just thinking a year ago, remember, you couldn't get a trainer on this planet. You could not find a smart trainer. Um, leading into Christmas of last year on the planet. Um, like everyone and their mother's uncle was trying to get hold of one of these things so that they could, um, you know, they could get onto Zwift and ride their bikes, and, but just to be active. And then all the people, you know, for us walking around here, like the people who are um, walking on the trails, like you know, Pax and I used to be on there by our lonesomes all the time. And there are just so many people out walking, which is phenomenal. And we need to figure out in our industry how we keep that going yeah that's right and we need to you know we need to also um i guess champion you know the positives that we see because there are um you know there can be a lot of good things that come out of um out of this and i think seeing um uh seeing the sort of restrictions that we're still facing in this country 
um, some positivity would be good because uh, let's have a chat a little bit about some racing now. Um, the big news of the, of the weekend, obviously, was the car crash. Now, you're all over this, so I'll get you to lay it out for me um, and you can tell me what reaction you've been getting on uh, on the site. So, um, yeah, so we, I, I initially got back from Clash Daytona. I was a walking zombie after announcing. And then, of course, I have to sit down and get writing. Um, so um, I write up my story on just based on looking at the results from uh, Ironman 70.3 Indian Wells, La Quinta. Um, could we have a longer name, please, for the next year's race? <laughs> And, um, and so I, you know, write up the stories. Hey, this is how awesome is this? Sanders outruns the two Olympians and shows them how it's done. And um, Jared Schumacher, the uh, 2008 Olympic Olympian from the U.S., emails me right away and says, hey, you didn't write anything about Luis getting hit by a car. And I was like, whoa, changes the story dramatically. Um, so couldn't find a thing. So you know, other than just there were reports that he got hit by a car and that slowed things down. So um, the next morning I wake up, check out um, Vincent Louise's Facebook and there's a whole pile of pictures. Um, and for some reason, when I had checked, um, uh, when I had checked his girlfriend and uh, Taylor Spivey, when I checked her Instagram post, nothing came up. The next morning when I checked, there were all these photos um, and info about how he got hit by a car. So from what I can understand, uh, he was leading the race uh, behind the lead vehicle. The lead vehicle comes up to a police officer who directs them off course. Uh, they go off the course and somewhere while he's not where he's supposed to be, he gets hit by a Tesla. Um, I love the the info that the people feel it's, you know, they should put in the, the name of that car. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, you know, he gets back on. He's obviously, like, if you look at the pictures, he's quite beaten up. Yeah, he is. Uh, gets back on, um, you know, gets back onto the course, ends up finishing the ride nine seconds behind Lionel Sanders, runs with Sanders for almost 10K, and then... Um, you know, and Taylor Spivey's just posting things like, I know he's not okay, um, but he's determined to keep going. Um, and, you know, so Lionel ends up pulling away and, and winning the race, and Luis ends up second. Hella Geens gets a drafting penalty um, at 85K into the bike. Um, and speaking of class acts, we'll hopefully talk about Christian shortly. Yeah. Um, but um, Hella on his Facebook post said, I felt I was 12 meters, but I'm sure everyone says that. So I, uh, you know, just, I, I loved his honesty. You know, was, um, anyway, he has the day's fastest run, runs his way to third. So, um, so I posted a story basically with, um, you know, about uh, Vincent, uh, his Facebook posts and everything. And it's just been, yeah, it's been nutty, uh, I don't know if popular, it has been an insanely well-read story on our site over the last few days. So. Okay, so <laughs> we haven't seen a professional athlete hit by a car since Donald ran over Happy Gilmore in 1996. That's a problem for me. Um, 
this is whole the problem the problem that you do want to rephrase it it sounds like you have a problem that that there haven't been more people hit by cars you're gonna... <laughs> okay back up i um, think what you're trying to say is the the fact that he got hit by a car is a problem yeah. for you i mean give me a break like yeah i i don't even i don't even know where to start with this one because i don't understand how it happens yeah, no, I'm with you. And so I reached out before I did the story on Vincent Louis, I reached out to Iron Man because I wanted to make sure that I gave them an opportunity uh, to respond to all of this yep. or to, you know, give me their side. Um, didn't get anything. I, you know, I got something at 11.06 on Monday night um, from Iron Man. Um so we are working with the local authorities as we continue to gather the details on how the unfortunate incident involving professional athlete Vincent Louis occurred during the bike portion of Sunday's Ironman 70.3 Indian Wells La Quinta Triathlon. We are very thankful that Vincent's injuries are, were not serious and that despite the challenges faced, he overcame adversity to still finish in second place with a very gritty performance. We are in contact with Vincent to support him how we are able and wish him a speedy recovery. Like Iron Man needs to be on top of this right from the get-go. Like here's exactly what happened. Here's how this happened. Um, you know, here's how we're going to make sure this doesn't ever happen again. Um, like not at, at 11.06 on Monday night. So whatever that is, is that, you know, 36 hours after it happened or, or even more. Um, you know, they need to be way ahead of this kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, this is why, you know, they're going to get insanely bad press out of all well, of this. Well, it's bullshit you can't protect, A, an athlete, but even worse that you've got a, the, the guy leading the fucking race where you've got somebody lead cars, you've got motorbikes around him, you've got a whole entourage of people following this and not looking. How the hell does that happen? Like I call bullshit on the race organisers down there at Indian Wells and they need to be more transparent and say it was either a breakdown of this or it was a muck up of that or we need to do better at this. We are aiming to improve all of our, we're going to review this and that. I mean, tell us something you're right about, this that actually makes sense and is not leaving some poor bloke who now you know could have been we're we're very thankful that we're not sitting here talking about something far more dramatic uh and if you look at the photos on your website um which of course is triathlon um magazine canada if you take a look at those photos he's beaten up the guy's a rock star for finishing but he's been robbed of a victory because let's be honest he probably would have run away with it um and he's also been um, lucky that he's not in some real serious trouble because as we know, all of us that, you know, cars and bikes don't mix, but the real problem here is the breakdown in the organization that allowed a car onto the course to do this. It's well, no. So the car, the car wasn't on the course. Um, and he uh, went off so, course. Yeah, though, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. So Taylor Spivey, uh, one of her um, Instagram posts to clarify, the lead car was clearly marked, very visible, written on the front in big neon letters. The officer directing traffic blocked the course, the straight line, by standing in the middle of the road. He pointed for the lead car and Vince to turn off course. The referee motorcycle followed them. This is great. You're going to love this. And wanted to give Vince a penalty after the car hit him for going off course. Um, <laughs> the lead car knew the course 
but had no other option but to go off course. What does that mean? So I know you don't want to yeah, course. So but I mean, I'm like, if I'm driving the lead car at this point, um, I'm going to stop my car. I'm going to get out and tell Vincent, keep going. Mm. The course goes straight. For some reason, they're not letting me lead you. Keep going um, and try and figure that out. Yeah. But, and, and you know, I, I have no idea who was driving that. I have no idea what the other circumstances are because Iron Man won't tell us anything. Yeah. Um, because they'll think you know, they can just this- blow it over and it'll be maybe something they don't have to worry about. Um, and well, or, or it's, or it's Iron Man's legal department is saying, keep your mouth shut. We don't know where yeah. this is going. And so, uh, the best policy, like illegals policy is always, uh, the best policy is nothing at all yeah. comes out. We say next to nothing other than we hope Vincent's okay. Going to do everything we possibly can. For yeah. Him. It's a straight back, back always- to the, back to the, you know, to the sporting world. So let me amend that then. I'm still going to call BS on the race organizers because even though the lead car presumably knew the course, et cetera, your job is the marshal, not to drive. You know, you've also got to, you know, be an active participant in the race. So if that's the case normally and that thing is going, if it's going south, then you you make an adjustment and you look after the athletes. Um, so there's a breakdown somewhere between that lead car and, and what happened and whether or not the, the um, car was not on the course, that's fine. Um, then I'll just rewind a little bit on that last comment, but I still call um, that the race organizers need to do better and they need to have their, their shit wired so that when you do have these things come into play, that everybody is on the same page. Now, is it surprising that they wanted to give them a penalty? (laughs) (laughs) Freaking TOs, man, seriously. Well, and yeah, and they're just like, he's gone off course, right? And it's the athlete's responsibility to know the course. Uh, But this is where that rule breaks down is when, um, so, you know, it's an athlete's responsibility to, to know the course, but then athletes who do not listen to race officials out on the course are subject to a disqualification. So when a race official screws up, then an athlete goes off the course and it's their fault, right? Like this is the way the rules are written and that's just gonzo. Yeah. Why do I sound like, why do I sound like Phil Rockman in this edition? <laughs> Kevin, I need you to take a step back and just think about this. <laughs> um, on the flip side of that, I mean, look, and, and no doubt someone will figure it out, but I just, I just there are some days I feel like the I, that Iron Man is the Wild West, you know, bloody course verification that we've been through a hundred times that this happens, and I know it doesn't happen a lot, but it just should never happen. These guys are professionals; we need to protect them, uh, as well as every other age group out there as well. Um, but um, I feel that there's, um, you know, the good news story is that uh, the Colonel finally got a win, so that's a win. <laughs> that's a, that's a good one. Hey, you know what? That like I, I think everyone sort of um, will just kind of say, "Yeah, that that win." Uh, but I just love, you know, yet again, a, this weekend really showed me the class of our sport. And uh, you know, Lionel's post that uh, that he put up, basically saying, "You know, I I feel strange about this. This is not the way I want to do this. I hope I have a chance to have a rematch with these guys." You know, class act, right? Like yeah. he's he's a pro athlete. He's got to take the win. Um, you know, he can't just hand it back. Um, but he's you know acknowledges all that was going on. Yeah. 
um, and uh, you know, class act and you know, deserving champion. I, you know, there's, it's not his fault. Like he was just out there doing what he needed to do, and he had a good race. Yeah, and that's um, what you can when, do. Is finish, right? mind, mind, but like the guy, I don't know how he's still standing after this season. Five, five foals. He, you know, he won a couple of seventy point threes early. Like if you know, in May he had that monstrous race and won in a sprint at the U.S. seventy point three Pro Championship in St. George over Sam Long. Right, like mm. that was. You know, and a performance like that takes a lot out of people by itself. Um, so, yeah, hey, kudos to uh, Lionel for having a great race and being a class act. Yeah, 100%. Um, while we are talking about races real quick, Ironman WA kicked out last weekend. Um, yeah, you know, I felt really flat about this because the Republic of Western Australia is giving everyone the shits at the minute. Um, and Matt Burton, though, 801 – Got the win. Um, so are we considering anything that's not sub eight to be not that good a time? What are, we, what are our thoughts here on this one? Um, because the first three dudes went 801 through 811. That was uh, Steve McKenna in second, Fraser Walsh. I mean, they're pretty, I mean, pretty low. I'm not going to dismiss Matt Burton's victory because the guy's been grinding forever and it well-deserved. But the women's race was a joke. Um, there's an hour and seven minutes between first and third I, and you know it just it just I didn't like it I shouldn't say joke I'll probably backtrack a little bit on that and just say that it was poorly attended I mean you know Kate well yeah just not not as competitive no I don't know it's just and, yeah and I, I'm trying to remember I don't think there were many women pros in the race no, three um, I think three I mean Kate Bevilacqua in you know in her prime was a very 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 good athlete um and then Courtney Ogden came fifth, you know, like, you know, in 8.46. So it, 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 he's probably in his late 60s now. Um, I think he, well, he might have even won the race one time, Courtney Ogden. Um, yeah, I just thought that it was um, pretty – I mean, look, 801s, I'm, I'm going to say 801s right on, right? We're, we're happy with that time. Um yeah, well, and because and, remember a few years ago, um, no one had broken eight in Australia at all. Yeah. And, um, you know, there weren't a lot of sub eight performances at that event until 2019 when um, good old Alistair rolled down and ripped through that sucker. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm trying to remember. I, it was 740s that he went or something. Um, but, um, yeah, like it. Obviously, not a nutty deep field just because of the COVID restrictions. No, and there. I just look, and I don't look again. I'll, I'll just underline so I don't get clobbered in a comment um, about the women's event. It just, it's just, we've got too many good women floating around the world that we have three. At some point, you got to cancel stuff. Surely, like, how do three women pros? I mean, this is where the sport falls down. You know, this is kind of where the sport falls down for me. Is that you, you know. The, if you had a PGA event or a, you know, an NBA or, you know, anything involving the best and the, you want to see it, you know, having three women in, in pros in a, in a field is really, it's hard, man. It's hard for them because they're sort of racing in threes. That's difficult to race. Um, they're all out on their own because, you know, you've got different swimming abilities and things like that. And there were nine minute gaps at different points until Kylie Simpson, you know, got over the line, but that's hard on the pro women too, to, front up and just race to other people. 
Um, you know, that's a long sort of slow, lonely day for those guys. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and the, the, the thing the thing we really need to emphasize too, it's not their fault. No, not at all. You can only race and win who's there. The yeah, you only can and beat yeah, who's there. Yeah, they, they enter the race and, you know, Kylie Simpson heads on out and does all that. 302 marathon to finish things out. Like, yeah, that's quick. You know, fantastic. And 906 on that course, like everyone thinks, oh, it's dead flat, so it's got to be super fast. Um, no, not necessarily. Like, as I said, I, you know, I still remember um, – I'm taking a mind blank right now, but um, uh, somebody went 804 on that course, and that was the Australian record. Yeah, Jason Shortest uh, went. I was there. Jason Shortest. There we go. Thank you, uh, Jason. You know, and and like that was ripping fast, and that wasn't that long ago. You know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, so there's been a huge jump in um, in times over the last little bit. Yeah. And eight oh one is good is still world class. Like eight oh one is you know, there's a handful of dudes who can go seven in the seven fifties. There's a handful of dudes who can go sub seven fifty. Um, everyone else, you sort of around that seven fifty to eight oh five, I would have thought is you know, I mean Matt Burton was ridden four fourteen, he's run two fifty. That's a very good day out. Um, and maybe he breaks eight hours with a 242 or something, obviously then that just brings him into that effort. So, you know, great result for him. It just seemed, I don't know, it just seemed so closed off, literally. Um, but also, you know, like there's just, it, and it's it's a better event that deserves a better field and a better class of um, athlete to be in there disputing that one in the women's field. Um, they needed more. Yeah, but, I, and, and so, you know, this year as well, uh, you know, because there were there were a ton of athletes who pulled out of Clash Day, Clash Daytona over the last little bit. And I know the organizers were frustrated with that. Um, but, you know, part of all of this, too, is the rash of racing that happened late in the year. Um, and so people are just fried. You know, the, there were just yeah. so many, so many events that happened um, in, in a short period of time. And. You know, so people were getting to are getting to December and saying, "I need a break." You know, um, so I, I think that you know, there's a, there's a lot more that it, it's not quite as simple as um, as as it might seem. In no, and it never all. is. But we don't want to see that. Like that, it just it it smacked of a race that we saw 15 years ago. You know, we had very small fields, and you know, it all. I don't know. I just think we expect more from our pro fields at the moment. And as you said, it's not the athlete's fault who race because you show up and you race who's there. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's a shame that this in this area, especially too with Western Australia, they just shut their borders for everything. They're still living the COVID zero yeah. dream. And they've got fuck all chance of that ever, you know, continuing in my humble medical opinion because uh, I've done my own research. Um, but um, yeah, you can't live COVID zero. They're still trying to hang on to that. But yeah, um, we all know in this day and age that COVID is in the communities and um, it seems that uh, it will continue. But let's move on and just say at least there's some racing happening in Australia. So let's be thankful for that and well done to Yeah, there's, there's your point there. And then I can't wait to, uh, like when I did the story on Cairns about um, last last year with the, you know, it was a tiny field. I think there was just under 200 finishers and, 75 Kona slots. Like, I'll yeah. be interested to see what the percentage. I haven't looked this up at all yet. Sort of been busy with other stuff, but looking forward to checking that out. Correct. So, 
Uh, speaking of athletes here, I'm going to jump in if I may. Yeah. Speaking of athletes, like, you know, you just can't for the life of you figure out how they could keep racing. You, you talked about Flora Duffy and Xterra Worlds. Um, like Christian Blumenfeld, two weeks after going 721 at his first um, first uh, Ironman race, you know, I just I just assumed that the guy would be fried um, and came into to Clash Daytona. Um, so he missed the memo when you're an Olympic champion. Um, you're supposed to just like in years past, the Olympic champion didn't do another race all year. No. Right. Like because they were so busy with all their media slots and making money and, and signing contracts and, and doing all this stuff. He missed that boat two days after he won um, uh, or two or three days after he won in, in Tokyo, he was out doing a nine hour training day because he thought he was getting ready for uh, the Ironman European championship in Frankfurt. Um, So this, this is a guy who just is, he's like constantly training and a lot but in terms of a class act, um, you know, he was just hanging around the race site. Oh, sorry. So, yeah, he missed the memo on racing. He missed the memo. He's supposed to have an entourage, right? He rolls into Clash Daytona. There's no coach. There's no manager. There's no uh, person helping him out. He doesn't even have his own rental car. <laughs> he just, like, you know, is cruising around. And, and, you know, I, I see Jared Schumacher. He's, I said, Christian, do you need to ride back? He goes, oh, Jared says, oh, Jared, I got him. He rides his bike to the event site. Um, The day before the race, so Friday afternoon, we put on a kid's race. He is at the finish line until the last kid comes across the line putting medals over them. Yeah, that's awesome. And the kids didn't, like a lot of the kids had no idea who he was, right? And so they're coming across the line and the gold, Olympic gold medalist is putting the medal on. Their parents are going apeshit um, on the side, like yelling, get a picture with him, stand next to him, I want your picture. Like it was hilarious. Um, but yeah, what, like total, total class act. Um, you know, there were a few other pros who were there for a few minutes. They did a couple of medals and then got out because they had to rest because they had a big race <laughs> the next day. Um, and uh, and then, you know, Christian Blumenfeld's there right until the very end, um, gets his ride back to the hotel because he doesn't have his own rental car and um, and then spanks everyone the next day. Right. And that's how he rolls. The thing about, um, can you imagine if, like a Tour de France cyclist or some of that showed up to a race and had to fix their own bike. Or, you know, this, there wasn't three soigneurs falling over them to massage them and, you know, wipe their butts and tell them they're awesome. And, you know, like it's still – or even like, you know, Novak Djokovic shows up to an event or Federer shows up to an event by himself. You know, or Serena Williams just turns up and there she is. You know, or Mick Fanning shows up to a surf event with just himself and two Groms in tow. You know, like, can you imagine how that works in other sports? Yeah, doesn't I, it's crazy, I, isn't I it? Can't. No. And, and you know, I said I can't believe your coach isn't here. And he said, "Well, you know, my coach has a family, um, and you know, and and so." I, you know, we just need to be careful with his time. He said, like, <laughs> he wasn't with me in Edmonton either. Um, because I, I, you know, we kind of sat down and said, yeah, it's probably better if I'm going to take a week of your time away from your family and everything, it would probably be better spent at a training camp right. than coming to Edmonton. Cause how much of a difference are you going to make there? 
Um, like, you know, when did, that's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like thinking, of, you know, like this is other people and all that stuff. Yeah. I'm just really, as you can tell, I was very impressed with the guy getting to spend uh, some time with him over the weekend. And yeah, just truly class act and a big champion. Yeah. And he's, um, and look, he's just, just continuing on his way, like in, doing what a gold medalist should do. Like, you know, Fredino is the same and, you know, Snow Seal and uh, the Brownlees, they just act like a bloody gold medalist. You know, like there's something about them, you know, handing out medals to kids or yeah. doing the right thing or being a spokesperson. When you're the world title holder or you're a world champion or you're a gold medalist, there's a certain way you should conduct yourself, um, you know, and you give up yeah. your time. And yeah, good, very good point that you're bringing that up because, yeah, uh, Jan always, for me, uh, you know, uh, after Kona a few years ago, um, I was trying to get an interview with him and, uh, you know, Felix, his manager comes up and says, Jan, you got to go on live German TV right now. And Jan looked at me and said, Kevin, I'll be back in 10 minutes. And I was like, yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> and 10 minutes, later, 10 minutes later, there was Jan, you know, yeah. and um I had the almost exactly the same experience with the Brownleys after the uh, in uh, twenty was it twenty sixteen yes twenty sixteen where they had in Cozumel I was covering the worlds and you know that was the thing where Alistair ended up picking up Jonathan and and trying to carry him across the line mm. um, and so you know obviously there was a huge mash of people trying to get interviews and. Um, you know, Alistair and Jonathan, same deal. They had to uh, um, head off and do some, do a live hit for um, for BBC. And um, they said, we'll be back in a few minutes. And I looked at, I still remember looking at the, uh, what was then ITU, now World Triathlon, the media person and saying, they're not coming back, are they? And she said, they told you they're coming back. They'll be back. And it was about a half hour later, but it was, like they came on back and they were like, Hey, sorry about that. It was pitch black. There was no one else around the race site. And these two guys, you know, came back to find me to give me the interview. They promised me. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and it's like, it's a, it's, it's no sense being adversarial with the media. If you're an athlete, I mean, especially in triathlon, like magazines need the athletes and the athletes need the magazines. It's got to work in partnership, you know, when you're being paid like a bazillionaire in another, you know, nosebleed sport, you do whatever you like. You don't need anyone. But it seems yeah. that the, you know, the relationship proffers and just be a good person. Like Ted, the, the one who I used to love too was Crowey. He would always, every time you asked him for an interview, you always got it. Pete Jacobs, when he won, when Pete Jacobs won uh, Kona, <laughs> he came across the line and I, I reckon like they did the NBC stuff and then, ESPN, one of those big American places was like l lurking and he looked over at me. He said, no, nah, Phil's first. <laughs> so I sashayed my narrow ass up there and just went, yeah, here we go, man. But, you know, again, um, it, when he was going through the, what, you know, the Albino Tigers, we used to call him, um, he needed us because we'd be covering him 300 days of the year, 360 days of the year versus ESPN who only wanted to talk to him once every once every miracle weekend. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. that's, you know, like, and they, they, it makes sense. You're never a fan as a journal. You can't be a fan. You can appreciate good performances, but you can't be a fan because there's going to be the, come the time where you have to call them out. 
but um yep. a very good point on that front yeah, yeah. and 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 you've got to be forthright but at the same time you've got to be able to have that relationship and crowy was awesome crowy would always just yeah what do you need and tim ray is another guy who i thought always what do you need you know josh hamburger these aussie guys who have been really solid with us because we're an australian publication and then like i said you know uh, a few weeks back with Kindler, you know, the last person in the world he wanted to talk to was me, but you know, he stops and he does the pro thing. Um, yeah. Versus, I mean, I remember when we first started first off the bike, it was a radio show on a commercial sporting um, radio station. <laughs> we interviewed me and Matt Keenan, who is now, you know, very, very um, thought very highly of in his tour de France commentary. We interviewed a guy who was such an asshole that we didn't even air it. This pro cyclist. A guy who rode with Miguel Indurain, you know, on those Bonesto teams that we could have talked to about for hours. And he's such an arsehole. <laughs> we never played it, you know. It's just like, oh, he's like he's doing us a favor, you know, and that's just no way to be. But nice to hear. Also, um, uh, Jackie Herring wins as well, which were you surprised yeah. that Lucy Hall gets? No. Uh, so it was really funny. Alicia Kay, who's, uh, uh, I think I'm pretty sure she has officially retired now, but former uh, pro triathlete. She's uh, from Canada originally. She married Jared Schumacher um, and became an American citizen, which uh, to this day I still cry about because uh, <laughs> you know just a great triathlete. And she won. Um, she was uh, an awesome uh, non-draft Olympic distance uh, triathlete. Yeah. Um, Anyway, Alicia and I, Alicia was doing the commentary, the, the live part of the live coverage crew for Clash uh, Daytona. And um, the day before the race, we got talking and uh, Alicia said, yep, Lucy's going to take this. And I said, nope, Jackie's going to run her down. Um, and uh, it was really funny. So, so my post-race interview, uh, I got to uh, to say to uh, Jackie Herring, um, Hey, thanks for so much for making me look good. Uh, you uh, totally nailed exactly what I said. And she said, yeah, I'm not sure how that works. Do you owe me a beer or do I owe you a beer? <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, just, uh, I totally kind of saw that coming um, just because um, Lucy Hall, unfortunately, that that's just been uh, her first, you know, she's had three big wins this year. Um, but it's been close and, uh, you know, for her, she's just got to hang on through that run. And, um, yeah, I just felt like Jackie was going to be running too quick. So as soon as Jackie Herring came out of the water, I think it was about two, uh, two and a half, three minutes down. I was like, yep, this is going to be a tough one for Lucy. Now Lucy made it considerably closer than I had anticipated. Uh, so traditionally, she's had more, uh, much more of a drop off at around 10k in the run, and she had a great run. So she was much more solid, and um, you know, forced Jackie to. Jackie pretty much had to leave a lung out on the side of the Daytona uh, <laughs> International Speedway to get that one. But um, you know, another classy, gutsy athlete, mom of two, and uh, from from uh, just outside of Madison or from Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, yeah, she's great great uh woman and and fantastic champion so mm. uh, exciting to see there and what a great you know lucy hall gutsy i don't know i i was never a fast enough swimmer to uh lead too many races from start to finish but I, you know, that can't be easy no no water wise just is really tough especially these days with the amount of um 
pace that's always coming on the on the runs behind uh, behind you. Again, not something I ever had a problem with. Um, Kevin, fifty five minutes on the knocker, mate. We've uh, we've nailed this. One. Well, just just before we end, I noticed that uh, just because a Kiwi wins, um, uh, you choose not to talk about them. Wins a world title. Oh, what Hayden? Uh... Hayden Wild. <laughs> seriously like seriously <laughs> come on xterra world championship you rave about flora duffy pretty impressive oh, i thought absolutely bronze medal is coming back no no i i agree he raced very well um and again there was just a, a whole lot of names there that you, you'd see at a lot of xterra races so you know i mean like dudes like um now i'm going to completely as you know mess up this name but ruben ruzafa is that right have I got that right? Rizal. Yeah, Ruben Rizal. He's yeah. been racing Xterra since I think he raced the very. I think he invented Xterra. Like the dude's been racing for 114 <laughs> years, and he's still on the podium. The guy's amazing. Yes, well it's, done, uh, New Zealand. You got it's... yourself a little little trophy. Well done, freaks. Oh my goodness, You're, uh, Ruben Rizafa has led the Xterra World Championships off the bike the last eight years in a row. I did not know that stat until this week. That is a, How cool is that? Yeah, poor bastard. That is a wild, wild stat. Um, but yes, Hayden Wild. Okay. Um, now you can sign off. Sorry, yeah. I, I just had to get <laughs> Look, you know what? If any opportunity to put down, to be honest, an American, a Kiwi or a bloke from England, I'm all over it. So uh We'll leave it there, but well done to you, Hayden Wild. No doubt he'll be listening to this and thinking, going, well, good. Thanks, Phil. Uh, Kevin, we can find you all over the interweb on your Triathlon Magazine Canada website, and we can also find you at Mac Attack Dad on the Twitter. You can find me at Phil Rockner on Twitter if you want to say hello or you suck. Uh, if you like us, tell your friends. Um, and uh, get on to Instagram, Life of Tri, where we do post the odd triathlon picture and uh, just see what's good out there. Thanks again, guys. If you've enjoyed us, uh, subscribe and listen again. We'll catch you next week. Kevin, thank you for your work, my man. Hey, thanks so much, Phil. Thanks for listening to The Life of Tri. If you like us, tell your mates and follow us on Instagram at The Life of Tri.